Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. The history of the nurse anesthesia profession suggests that regardless of the challenge or crisis facing it, the right person at the right time with the right message was chosen by the membership to lead. This segment of our podcast is entitled The Courage to Lead. We are pleased to highlight some of these contemporary visionary leaders. We want to express gratitude to all and give encouragement to those that will accept the challenge in the future. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. My co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, the past president of the AANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles in the association. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs. We recently went on a podcast recording blitz at the ANA meeting in Chicago. We conducted lots of interviews with some of the industry's most interesting people. All right, Sharon, here we go again. Windy City, Windy Chicago. ANA Annual Congress. It's been a great meeting. It has. Well, we've been in the podcast room, but they say it's a great meeting yeah. out there. Well, Foundation event was wonderful. I yeah. made it to it last night. Yes, you did. Yeah, I was in a pickle. Yeah, yeah. DJ Pierce. DJ so. Pierce. Yeah. It was a great event. It's great. Well, we're going to continue on with our presidential leadership series here, and we have a, a guest that I know you know very well in the house <laughs> with us, Miss Jackie Rolls. Thank you for being here. Why don't you just tell a little bit about yourself and background, or do you want Sharon to do it? No, we'll let Jackie do it. <laughs> Well, I'm Jackie Rawls. I'm from the state of Indiana. I was president of the AANA in fiscal year 2009, which was actually August of 08 to August of 09. Then I went into an interim executive director role, which we'll probably talk a little bit about when we go through the questions. So I was the first person from the state of Indiana to serve as president of the AANA. We're a small state, so that was pretty big. It was very big. (laughs) Accomplishment for us. We were excited. It was my pleasure. A lot of work, as Sharon knows, and as I'm sure you know, Jeremy, from interviewing other presidents, it's truly a, a labor of love mm-hmm. to serve as AANA president, and it probably aged me 10 years, at least my hair, anyway. <laughs> There's been a theme running through yeah, here. I, I, mean, I mentioned this earlier about Randy. Every year I see him, you know, mid-years, a little grayer, annual That's Congress, right. a little gray. That's right. <laughs> it's all worth it, though. Well, I remember whenever you were coming in as president and you know there's four of us that hang out around together we call ourselves the fab four myself jackie carol dorsher from minnesota tracy castleman from new jersey and 
we were your bartenders. You were. They were <laughs> in her suite. They were great. And her daddy, God rest his soul, yes. was uh, ENT surgeon who actually encouraged Jackie to he go did. into anesthesia, oh. and he is was which is hard to say delightful and he would sit up with us every Mm -hmm. night until everybody had gone to bed i mean that man had stamina like you would not believe he stayed up with us and the year before when i was incoming president in minneapolis he went formal dress shopping with the four of us. Oh, no. Do you remember? Oh. Was <laughs> he a drinking man? No. No. Not wow. at all. My Mm-mm. father immigrated from Iran, actually, uh, okay. and then did a residency in the States. And in rural Indiana, at a Catholic hospital, it was an open anesthesia staff in those days. And there was a nurse anesthetist. And he would go in and select the nurse anesthetist to do his anesthesia. And that's how I found out about nurse hmm. anesthesia. And I asked him why. And he said, well, she's so much better with my pediatric patients. And he had a huge pediatric population. Hmm. He also taught at Indiana University School of Medicine, so it was a big compliment for him to choose a nurse anesthetist. Okay. So he was quite supportive of me becoming a nurse anesthetist or a nurse to begin with, although in the very beginning he wanted me to go to medical school, mm-hmm. and he was on the selection committee at IU. I think that was part of the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my introduction to nurse anesthesia, and he was so interested, he came to many meetings. Mm-hmm. and. Not only did he hang out with us because he was very social, mm-hmm. very he would social. go to sessions, and wow. he would listen to sessions. And where people would report their research, he had won a research award one year, a national award, and was the only person that had private practice that wasn't a full-time academician that had gotten the award. He would go up to the speaker afterwards and talk to them about their research and congratulate them. And so, very interesting times. And unfortunately, he's been gone two years. It's pretty mm. tough, but. Yeah. All my friends knew him well. Oh, and uh, he had dementia. Yes. And he was such a brilliant man. He could recover quickly, and Good. you wouldn't really know unless you knew him very well. And whenever your daughter got married, Jamie's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever the three of us, Carol, Tracy, and I walked in, and we start talking to him, and we knew that he didn't know us then and he recovered so quickly because he goes well how do you know jackie and then whenever we he he put it all together and he recovered so quickly delightful man will be missed he was always a friend of nursing everywhere i go i hear that from nurses and really a big friend of nurse anesthesia Mm -hmm. the last eight years of his career he was he ran the va medical center head neck surgery reconstructive surgery and worked with nurse anesthetists, and I hear from them today. So pretty fun, pretty cool stuff. Well, let's talk about the year you were president, the year when your hair started turning. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you talk about a few of the things that happened during your year? Well, it was quite a year, as I'm sure you've probably heard from every president. (laughs) It seems to be the reoccurring theme. It always seems that you think you have things planned for the year, but you never know really what's coming. (laughs) A recurrent thing. And part of it has to do, obviously, with the politics, too, and what's going on in the profession. Things can come up and smack you in the face. For my presidency, I had been recruited into a pain management practice in 2002. It was relatively new for CRNAs. We had a few good pioneers out there. But I worked for 18 neurosurgeons and reopened a pain clinic after three anesthesiologists left, walked out, 
a little difference over money. Imagine uh-huh. that. Yeah. I had actually been called by an advanced practice nurse and asked about pain management. I wasn't qualified to do it. If I went to meet with them, the more I met with them and I met with the leaders of the group, the more I liked them and they liked me apparently because they came back and said, well, we want you and made me an offer I couldn't refuse, basically mm-hmm. said, what it, What will you do to come here? And I was the chief anesthetist of a OB service at three hospitals, all CRNAs, big mm-hmm. hospitals in Indianapolis. And so I gave them a salary, a laptop, said I don't work Fridays, I just got elected to the <laughs> ANA no, I just got elected to the ANA board. I'm gonna I, be gone. Right. For I, half I'm a not year, taking but. vacation for my board meetings or events or things. And they said, Okay. Never and know I, do you ask, right? Right. And I, right. I actually came home to my husband and said, well, good grief, I have a new job. <laughs> actually, you had two, right? Right. Well, how can you say no if somebody meets all your demands? So yeah. Yeah. it was one of the best things I've ever done. It was a lot to learn, and they were great and supportive and well-known nationally, which helped me get into meetings and trainings that physicians were able to go to. Hmm. However... Pretty shortly, the physicians <laughs> locked us out of that training and cadaver courses. So 2005, I had started a cadaver course with an anesthesiologist in my office. We did that till 2008 when it rolled into the AANA. So actually, October of 2008, we had our first AANA-sponsored pain management education. And I happened to be president at that time. So it was all cosmic timing, I right. say. Who knew it, when it was going forward it would have worked that way? We had a lot of challenges from the medical community about it. That's not our scope of practice. We shouldn't be using fluoroscopy, on and on and on. Moving it from CRNA-only training, which there were a couple courses, to the AANA gave it some more legitimacy. And in states where I was testifying about CRNAs doing pain management, and they were looking at what scope of practice would be determined by the Board of Nursing, it was very evident that moving it to a professional level was a better thing to do, and eventually to an academic level. But we have still challenges by the medical community all of these years Mm -hmm. later, even though I will say, to summarize pain quickly, we've come full circle. I do a a lecture for most of the students and some of the state's pain management advocacy from under the radar to over the rainbow, because we Mm -hmm. have totally validated and legitimized why we're here. We've gone from really no specialty training to specialty training, then going to association sponsored, which state boards of nursing, of course, look to your professional association to say what's your scope of practice, then to academic training that then became a fellowship. Now we have three fellowships in pain and a board certification exam in non-surgical pain management. So to me, that was the rainbow. Yeah. But it took 15 years. (laughs) <laughs> but we're very persistent people. <laughs> but how time flies yes. when you're having fun. Right. So a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges in pain. And that year, the Congress had declared the decade of pain, the 2000s, and we were a little late coming in. But we signed the VA Pain Act, saying that we believed our veterans, warriors, all had a right to have their pain managed. And there was kind of a lot going on um, nationally about pain management then, really raised the visibility of nurse anesthetists as doing a little more than just being in the operating room, which is quite important. But we have a very logical extension of our knowledge, skills, competencies to go from acute pain to chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And boy, that was right on the 
cutting edge of the beginning of the things that we have seen it was. since then. It has really set us up now when we're looking at battles. We have everything to show that we we are trained well to do it, and we don't have enough good pain providers in the nation. And who knew that we would have the U.S. did their own pain study uh, Institute of Medicine, mm-hmm. IOM, in 2011, relieving pain in America, and that there were 100 million people that suffer from chronic pain. It cost us almost $600 billion a year. And one of the big things in that report said that part of the reason is because doctors aren't taught to help patients manage their pain, treat pain, and they identified at that time there were only 40 medical schools that had pain courses in primary care, which is one of the biggest gatekeepers for pain. <laughs> So we're here. We can help. There you go. Now, you know, as president, you have a lot of external issues to deal with. Let's talk about some of the internal issues that you dealt with during your presidency. (laughs) Well, as we said, there are a lot of surprises that can happen. We had an executive director, Jeff Buehler, who had been with the ANA since the year 2000. And in February of 2009, he resigned his position. So that's a lot Mm -hmm. for a board to take on. The process of recruiting, identifying is a a long-term thing. You just can't do it overnight. So John Gard, who had been AANA Executive Director for 17 years, was available to help us. There's no one I know of that has a bad word to say about John Gard and how he managed the AANA and its members. So John luckily agreed he would step in immediately. So I flew from the assembly school faculty at that time is where uh, Jeff Butler resigned. I flew, instead of going home after the meeting here to Chicago, John had no idea what an iPhone was. He had no idea how to do text messaging. And we got, first thing we did was we got him an iPhone Mm -hmm. and said, you're going to have to learn how to do it. Well, I'm telling you, he texted me the next day. I'm here to pick you up, and I was so surprised. So he got up, caught up really quickly with the times. But I'll never forget going, going into the office that day. There were probably, I would say, almost seventy percent of the staff was the same. They knew John, right? So while it was a shock to them, they had no idea the executive director resigned. It was a comfort that John was there. And John, as Sharon knows, and Jeremy, you may have heard, he's the man, the myth, the legend. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to put it. And he knows, he knew everyone. The other nursing organizations Mm -hmm. loved him. They all knew him. They did. He was a huge role model for advanced practice nursing, and he was always kind and charming, but firm. Hmm. But had a way of making you feel like You were the only person in the room when he talked to you. That is exactly the way he was. But he would take people on and say, oh, no, no, you can't. You can't talk like that. You you can't do those things. Behave. We actually have little table placards made that say behave. And we put them on everyone's desks in the office. That's what he used to always say. So John was a delight. Uh, The difference, I think, working with John with people have asked me the difference as I said, he has a way of making you feel like you're the only person in the room. Mm-hmm. The next AA meeting, which AA and A presidents get swarmed everywhere you go, and Larry Hornsby had told me, put your phone up to your ear, put your head down and walk, and it's the only way you get through the hallway. 
that doesn't work anymore. People still stop you. Yes. By the way, Larry, if you're listening. But John would be by my side every second. Your handler. He was a handler. Mm. And he would say, oh, you must sit down and eat some breakfast when we were at a mm-hmm. function. Almost or, a fatherly type. He figure. was. Yeah. And you would be talking to people and more people would come and you don't want to let the members down and you want to meet new people and you want to be words there because of them right. Right? right so you have to open yourself up almost like a politician i guess and you you I are would, a politician yeah. as a <laughs> ANA president i would feel this little pressure on my low back that like what and the first time it happened i'm like who's who's right. hurting me <laughs> it was john and he would just apply this little bit of pressure and say we need to leave now and he would look at the people and say, I'm really sorry, but President Rolls must go to this next event or whatever it was. No mm-hmm. one was ever mad at him oh. as he was so elegant. But he also had a lot of wisdom. I think one of John's biggest assets to me was the ability to keep communication going, mm-hmm. keep people at the table, and then the historical knowledge that he had was phenomenal. So we were very lucky to have him, and we weren't worried. I was already then the chair of the ED search committee. I wasn't worried at all. Like, we have John Gard. Not only are we fine till we find someone, he'll train the next person. Right. So the AANA is great. We'll be okay with this blip of a change of executive directors. Well, then, unfortunately, he had some sudden illness. I'll never forget, we were in D.C. testifying against the Sedasis machine, mm-hmm. which was a propofol automatic machine that you could schedule propofol, the drip, and it would sedate the patient without an anesthesia provider. One thing the ASNA and we had in common right. at that time was testifying against that machine. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, this went on for a long time, all the way to my year. Yes, it did. Wow. Well, John and I went out after dinner and John was always a good eater, and he liked to have a tangerine tonic, mm-hmm. relax, and he just kind of picked at his fish, he didn't really drink, and I'd been noticing that he wasn't eating as much, and so I said, you know, what's going on? So he said, I'm having some GI issues, I've been to the doctor, I'll let you know what's going on. Well, it turns out he had pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. and it wasn't very long, that was May, mm-hmm. And he had, he passed away yeah. within six weeks, maybe. I was here in Chicago when he got really sick. Um, I was up here, just fate had it. My niece was getting baptized in Lamont, Illinois. And John called me. He was supposed to go in on Friday and have a stent put in so he wouldn't have so much pain mm-hmm. from the blockage. And I said, do you want me to come? And he was going to Northwestern. I said, do you want me to come? No, 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 it's fine. I said, well, I'm going to be up here anyway. I can come. So he said, tell you what, come by Saturday. Come by and see me on Saturday. And I told him, okay. I called him Saturday and just said, are you feeling up to it? Do you still want me to come by? Yeah, come by for just a little bit. And he knew my girls, and they were there. And so I went and saw him by myself, though, and I knew he didn't look good. For John, his apartment was always immaculate. He was always the host, even if he didn't feel like it. He was in a lot of pain. It wasn't good. So I stayed for a while, and we had other people coming to stay with him. And long story short, he ended up going into septic shock Mm -hmm. and was rushed to the hospital. So I went, and Sharon knows my daughter Kelsey, who was 16 at the time. She went with me and sat in the corner while Mm -hmm. he was in ICU on a lot of drips. It was pretty scary for her. 
and he had a heart attack while I was sitting there. And he was awake enough to squeeze my hand in the beginning, and then, you know, he closed his eyes and he was comfortable. And within about 24 hours, we lost him. And it was a big loss for the yeah. profession, in a really scary time for us, I think, as a board, because we had put all of our hopes and faith into the fact that we had John mm-hmm. to train right. the new executive director. So it was pretty tough. It sounds like he had trained all you guys. He did. To take over, even if he wasn't there. He did. So. There was a lot of lessons that he left yeah. for us. But he's still missed today. People yeah. still talk mm-hmm. about him all the time. They still do. And other people have talked about it. He never forgot anybody. No, and he told me he would take and go back to his room and make note cards. Is that how he did oh, it? Oh, really? That's so, the way I do for politicians. That's how he did it. He would meet a member, and then he would kind of form an association, and he would go back to his room, or sometimes he said he had him in his pocket, and he could go find a quiet place, and he'd write down their name and their state and a few things about them, and he would study them. Hmm. So the next time he met them, he could relate all of that with him. Wow. So we got through John's funeral, which was difficult, and a lot of people came in, so it was a very nice tribute, and... Then I ended up becoming the interim executive director. And I had three weeks left in my presidency, and we had the annual meeting coming up. So my husband did ask me if I was insane at one time. <laughs> well, that's not the first time I Kevin's I asked you that. <laughs> but then he said to me, you know what? I think you should do it because they're going to be calling you all the time to ask you right. questions anyway. Because, you know, being the most recent person to work with the staff, the strategic plan, all the things we had going on. So it was a pretty difficult time. I'll never forget the annual meeting. I just wanted to go to the room and close the door and not come out for a little while. But it was good. All of that's kind of a blur to me right now everyone was so supportive that was probably the best thing we were unified then at the aana and that sometimes it takes a crisis to do that absolutely the business meeting we didn't have no fighting and strife and we were in san diego we were and people were very very cognizant of john's legacy and and things so while it was a really rough time there was a lot of help the people in the office our office staff are wonderful they care more about the profession than some of us do sometimes i hate to say so they pitched in but everyone was great and we got through that transition time well i remember you were so incredibly busy you were so incredibly tired i was tired <laughs> and um we had planned for her i had called kevin and there was a cruise going out of san diego you know we're right there at the port and so we had gotten in touch with several of her crna colleagues from indiana and a lot of a lot of us and we had planned this cruise and kevin had already taken care of everything we were leaving as soon as the meeting was over and jackie didn't know anything about it we had been planning it for a long time finally he had to tell her at the end because he didn't want to pack her clothes (laughs) (laughs) or maybe he didn't want to be killed (laughs) well you know off with your head i know you send him that emoji every once in a while but we got her on the boat at the very last minute i think you were the last it was person. i had to go to the board meeting then as as the interim executive oh, wow. director that day and i said i have a hard stop i'm sorry right. i am leaving 
whether the board meeting's done or because not. Because we thought you were going to be done. Right, I when did we too. planned this, we didn't know that John right. was going to die. Luckily, Jim Walker e. was gracious enough to yes. say, we will make sure the board meeting ends on time. Absolutely. <laughs> on <your> time. <laughs> and so we got her on the boat, and we're in your room, and the boat is leaving, and she is still texting, reading emails, and Kevin is in the room, and he's like, you know it's it's this is time it's yeah. time for you to stop honey it's time for you to stop and she didn't stop until we got all the way out into the water and her internet signal uh, was lost um but you rested and I did I think actually I had a massage and went to bed and didn't see any of you till the next day yeah well I think it was a little bit longer than that and we let her we let her rest yes. uh, just a just a yeah. little bit well it, it's exhausting anyway but it was it was good though I was blessed to be able to serve the profession and help stabilize things and you know, until we got well you were a familiar face yes. and jackie yep. also has her mba and she also has her nurse practitioner mm-hmm. her dmp i mean the list goes on and on mm-hmm. what's, Again, what's next what's next <laughs> good question <laughs> i don't know i've been Ifna. Ifna I've, keeps yeah. me really busy yeah. i've been so. i've been watching West Wing all over again and that was President Bartlett's what's next what's that's next? what he would I always know. say and that's what that's what we say about Jackie what's next <laughs> I don't know good question what's next well a couple things I do also want to highlight about my year just because I feel like they need to go down and this needs to be recorded in history mm-hmm. I have done a historical recording with the archives right. office but you also forget things during that year we not only had to deal with the executive director leaving. We had some other big issues for the association. Our senior director of finance, who had been here, mm-hmm. I, I don't don't even remember, 20 I don't years, remember I think. 19, 20, 21 years was re- replaced by mm. John Gard. wasn't easy either because John had hired him originally, but I'm just going to say there were some issues. We'll mm-hmm. just leave it at that. Yeah. We had a new office in Park Ridge that actually under Wanda Wilson's year as president ahead of me, we had purchased an office. It was an old bank building just up the street Mm -hmm. from our main office. It's nice, very nice, right? And insurance services was planned to move in there. We had asbestos issues. Not only that, we had ventilation issues. We had some employees that were feeling sick with the ventilation issues. So we had a lot we had to take care of. And I was very open about it and reported it to the membership because I think they need to know when we're over budget on things yep. and when we're when these things happen we're taking care of our employees and we're taking care of what needs to be done and so those were big issues that year. It was also an election year. So I was very fortunate to represent the AANA at both the Democratic and Republican national conventions which occurred almost right after our meeting annual right. meeting was over and then at the inauguration first inauguration of President Obama which I tell everyone, I don't care what political party you are. It was a historical event. And it was a wonderful time to be in D.C. and see all the good that our D.C. office does. Mm-hmm. Because everywhere I would go to, whether it was a breakfast, lunch, evening reception at either of these Democratic, Republic, National Conventions, or in D.C., people knew our staff. Yes. And they would have me herded to the front of the room when the candidate came in or whoever we were meeting. It was amazing. So I can't say enough good about our our D.C. office and what they do. We implemented strategic planning that year a little bit differently. It's usually a board level initiative. And we did it what I call from the ground up at fall assembly. 
we fed everyone with a nice breakfast and it wasn't just the continental breakfast we had bacon and eggs and biscuits and as you should we should i know you'd like good that southern breakfast <laughs> that was for sharing that was good but we did something where we had all the attendees and it's kind of a leadership conference so we had all of our state uh, leaders there too and we asked them questions about what we should be doing we had some directed questions everyone filled out their questions they had discussions at tables all that information came to the board the board went in a back room as the meeting progressed and we had papers all over the walls and we would read things we'd each have a stack and we'd find common themes and we would put them up on the walls and we reported back to the membership later what their priorities were that they felt the a and a should be doing so that was kind of fun that was different it was kind of fun and the last thing was i moved the business meeting the business meeting had always been on sunday morning Wanda's year in Minneapolis, I don't know if you remember, Sharon, but it was an 8 a.m. meeting. It took us 45 minutes to get a quorum of 200 people. I do remember that. It was awful. So I thought, I have this president's, there was money from the president's fund. I didn't even right. know we had a president's fund until toward the end, and I hadn't spent any. And they said, hey. <laughs> Maybe they didn't tell you on, on purpose. purpose. <laughs> yeah. So I said, all right, look, let's move the business meeting to Saturday. We're in San Diego. If people want to fly in to go to the business meeting, they can actually fly home on Sunday and be at work Monday. Let's move it. Let's move it to 1 o'clock, but at noon, we're going to give everybody a box lunch. Feed them and they will come. Exactly. And they don't have to worry about going somewhere, waiting to be served, being stressed to come back. So I thought, this is a great plan. Well, it was in terms of everybody was in the room. I'm up there looking. They're all laughing, smiling, talking, eating, and then I get a couple of hate emails from a couple members about the pay yeah why why did that and i heard that cost thirty thirty thousand dollars and why would we do that well to anyone listening i'm going to tell you it's worth every penny to spend the money on the people that come and are active in your association we didn't have podcasts we didn't have the Mm -hmm. fact that you could listen to the meeting if you wanted to be active and move this association forward you had to be present and my philosophy was, why not spend the money on the people that are spending their money and time to come here and help us move this association forward? So I would do it again in a heartbeat. Well, it was a great idea. The room was full. And, it was full. You know, we've had full business meetings of the last few years, but for a whole different reason. <laughs> Many reasons. <laughs> well, maybe the reason why it was such a collegial business meeting is, you know, it worked for Jesus. They sat down and had dinner. There you go. Break um, bread. Breaking bread together. So everybody was breaking wine bread. wine and bread. Yep. People breaking bread together. So <laughs> maybe that's the reason. Maybe we need to remember that going forward and right. we wouldn't have such a contentious business meetings. <laughs> I did have one person tell me it would have been nice if instead of Coke and water, we'd have had wine. Well, I said, well, that could go either way. Exactly. That's (laughs) what we're worried about. Sharon always tries to, she's like, we need to get a bottle of wine and do this. I'm like, I don't know where the conversation is. It worked for Jesus. (laughs) He did not, he turned water into wine for a reason. (laughs) Uh, Jackie, what are some of the most valuable leadership lessons you learned that you might want to, from being A&A president? I feel like you have to listen. Be open. Can't have your mind made up on anything, really, because there's always more information to be obtained. 
people ask me sometimes, well, how did you do that? How did you survive it? I think they ask all of us mm-hmm. that when we're out. And I tell them two things. One, I'm very good at ignoring. <laughs> yes, she is. I am. <laughs> she is and Kevin, very Kevin, good. Let Kevin, us know and my day. friends yeah. will even let you know. I mean, it happens sometimes. And <laughs> or whenever she's done, she's done. I'm done. I am. I, she I'm, is done. But I, I see that as good self-care. Yes. I, well, I, that's, that's true. And then a couple of people that have been struggling with issues in our our affiliate organizations like COA or NBCRNA and some of their leaders we were talking at one time and they said, well, how did you, how do you keep your smile and your energy and do things? And, and I said, this is exactly how I feel. I do the best I can with the information at hand given the time, talent, and treasury restrictions we have. Mm-hmm. And I sleep fine at night. Yeah. That doesn't mean that every decision you make is perfect. Right. And six months later, there might be some information come to light that would have made all of us on the board make a different decision. But we didn't have it then, so you can't beat yourself up about it. I think all you can do is do the best you can, make sure you get as much information as possible before you make a decision, keep emotion out of it, keep it factual, look at what your what your strengths are, because we have budgetary restraints, or we have staff restraints. Mm-hmm. We can't pull people off of a really high priority to do something else without giving that up. Right. And then you have to make a decision. You have to. So you got to go with it. Don't second guess. And again, well, it's the right decision the right. at that time. Right. And, and you can't beat and, yourself up. Right. And I called Jackie a lot during my year, and I think that's one of the benefits of the collegiality between did I say that right yes um between all of us because you can just call each other up and of course since I was friends with Jackie I called her and you know whenever you're thinking about the decisions that you made and Jackie was always really good about saying did you do your best yes I did well then go to sleep yeah right and when people call now I think any of us we try to say as, as former presidents I feel like our role is to support Absolutely. Support the board and make the organization the strongest it can be. Doesn't mean we agree with everything, but that is your role. And when people call and ask me sometimes, well, what do you think about this? I'll turn it back and say, well, what do you think? And they're kind of quiet. I'm like, no, tell me what you think and what information you're basing your opinion on because it's not what I think. I don't have all the knowledge and information mm-hmm. you do. I'm here to help you maybe think through something, but it's not me, it's you talking mm-hmm. and thinking it through. And then I can say, well, did you think about this if it wasn't in what you presented to me? And I think all of us as past presidents, we wanna be helpful and supportive of the board and the president because it's, it's a tough job. And if you don't have something to go home to when you're done, that's when we see the depression and some of the, just difficulties in adjusting that mm-hmm. we've had. Right. Well, it is our role to always support. And we, just like you said, we might not even personally like the president or totally disagree with them, but we should support them. I mean, we're seeing that in society at large today, but right. we need to respect the office. They have put in their time and treasury, as you say, to get to this point. And I've said this many times, we're on the same plane, and we want this plane to land safely, which is our organization. And if the plane crashes, we're all going up in flames. So support your president, your board of directors, 
because they've worked hard and they're there. Nobody does it, uh, anything of malicious intent. No, and one thing that that made me think about right now is John Gardigan, who said to me, the members always elect the right person at the right, right time, time as AANA president. Mm-hmm. And he was absolutely steadfast in that belief. And so I believe that, too, that the right person is always elected. And if there are differences between people, I say go talk about it because it's normally because there's some sort of misunderstanding, misinformation, mm-hmm. and the sides just aren't operating at the same same level of knowledge and respect and communication. So what would you tell new CRNAs coming into the profession now? That they're in the best profession there is. It's not always easy mm-hmm. that they, first of all, they need to get involved in the A&A, and I know it's very difficult right after school. You have debt, you've been away from your family, you just want to work, pay your school loans off, and have some time. But be involved, pay your dues, go to your state meeting. Maybe you can't make it to the national meeting in the beginning. That's okay. But get involved. You need to know the information the A&A shares. We all are benefited by working together. But also, you need to take some time for yourself. And we're all going to make a mistake at some point. I say this in graduation commencement speeches. At some point, we either have had, as a nurse, made an error, or you're going to make a mistake, or something bad's going to happen in the OR despite your best efforts. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. And you can't go around saying, well, if only I had done this instead, or only I had picked up on something a little sooner. You have to learn to forgive yourself because we're human. There's a lot of things going on sometimes that take a lot of attention, and we may, we may miss something. You may make a mistake. So be honest about it. Work through it. Learn from it. But don't let it derail you for the rest of your career. Jackie, you've done so much. If you, if you had to pick another profession <laughs> or something else you'd rather do or are or, or interested in, what would that be? I love music. You can ask my husband. I have it on all the time in the morning. I've got you know the Bluetooth speakers uh-huh. going places. And when I was small, I played piano a little bit. I played my dad's violin a little bit. I wish I could play an instrument, another instrument, the flute or a trumpet or who knows what. But I would love to be that person that can walk in and just by ear pick up multiple Mm. instruments and play a piece. I just think I could – music is so uplifting and so energetic to me always – so I love it. That's what I would love to do. But unfortunately, God didn't give me that gift. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised to know, you know, Jerry Hogan's undergrad degree is in music, and he plays saxophone and every kind of instrument that you can imagine. It's, it's funny. My 18-year-old daughter, we were in Ireland last month, and they had a piano at the house we were staying at. She just goes to the piano. Never played piano before. Wow. And she starts playing by stuff ear. by ear. I mean, just... I was like, Lauren, I didn't know you could do that. She's like, well, Dad, I always have an interest in it. I was like, you're 18 years old. I don't have a clue. But that's a neat skill. I definitely don't have that. No, Definitely don't have that. Mm. Another life, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And Jackie knows that I can't sing because I call and sing on her birthday every year. (laughs) I don't ever share those tapes. It's okay. (laughs) Thank God. I always hope she'll pick up and it doesn't go to voicemail in case she wants to send it out to someplace else. Well, this this has been wonderful. Jackie, anything else you want to conclude on as we kind of wrap up here? The only thing I have to say is I feel very blessed to have chosen this profession, to have been involved in the A&A, and to have had the trust of the membership to be able to serve in the various capacities I have. And for that, I thank 
all the members. And I also would like to thank the two of you for doing these podcasts. It's been great. I hear just walking through the exhibit hall or some meetings I'm at, how many people are listening to it now. And it's just going to have more and more momentum. And what you're doing, I would say, especially in regards to the history, is really important for our profession. So thank you. Thank you. you. It's us who are blessed to have you here with us. That's right. You've been a big bonus in my life. One of the best presents I ever got. Oh, that's sweet, Sharon. I don't hear you say sweet things that much. Shut up. Not to me, see? (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, I think that's a wrap, Sharon. Yes. Well, we want to thank you for being here. We want to thank our listeners to listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and... Sharon Pierce. If you're a fan, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. Only positive reviews, please. (laughs) And share episodes on social media to help us get the word out. It's a wrap. Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. Remember back in episode 45 when my co-hosts Sharon Pierce and Kimberly Gordon talked about the candidate school for nurses that they're piloting at Yale for May of 2020. The application process opened on January 1st. If you're a nurse or nurse anesthetist and interested in running for elected office, or even if you're interested in managing another nurse's campaign, you will not want to miss this opportunity. As the first candidate school for nurses in the country, you will want to be in the inaugural class. Just go to the Yale Nursing website and search Candidate School for Nurses and apply today. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode 
to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA history series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA personal finance series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.